Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Ready? Yep. Let's go. Let's laugh. We are imperfect after all. Okay. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Imperfect Us podcast. I'm Leanne Camilleri. And I'm Lisa Downs. As co-hosts of the Imperfect Us podcast, we will share relatable stories that celebrate that we are perfectly imperfect humans leading perfectly imperfect lives. We will be sharing these stories through open and honest conversations with our extraordinary guests. And together we'll discover practical and evidence-based strategies that will enable us to navigate the constant challenges and changes of everyday life. We are thrilled to share these conversations as we draw on the science of wellbeing and positive psychology and we uncover the barriers that might hold us back from being our authentic selves and turn them into opportunities so that we can show up more consistently doing what we really aspire to do and who we want to be. We'd like to acknowledge the Wadarung and Ghana people who are the traditional custodians of the beautiful lands on which this podcast is being recorded. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend this respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples from other communities who are here with us today. So let's get started. Yay. And recording. Today, we are speaking with our wonderful friend and colleague, Sarah Weisbarth from Michigan in the United States, where Sarah is the director of the Discover You Youth Program. It was established to elevate the potential of youth so that they can lead their best lives. Throughout the years of personal and professional experience, Sarah has found the more we grow, the more successful we'll be. Sarah is a coach trainer, facilitator, program planner, and content developer who has worked in nonprofit, education, and small business sectors. Sarah cultivates cultures of empowering others to live their potential. Welcome, Sarah. Uh, It is such a pleasure to have you here today, Sarah. I have missed you. I haven't seen you for a little while, so I'm very, very um, grateful to have you here today. Um, So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me in. Oh, it is a pleasure. And we're just wondering if you could share with us what led you to the work that you do with Discover You and perhaps some of the proud moments that you've had about the impact that Discover You is having on schools and youth and communities. So I'll actually start with the impact. Some of the the moments that I have had in the classroom, so working with youth, uh, the opportunity to really help them be their best selves and talk about different topics. It's so inspiring to work with the young people. I learned so much from them. And one of my standout stories is had been with a class for a a year, actually. We had extended our programming over the whole year of their uh, school year. And there was one young gentleman in the back who rarely participated. And you you know how you can like tell, right? You're like, you have that like wondering of like, I mean, is he even listening? Does he even care? Like there's always that you can tell by the look on their face. And I was even starting over that time span to get like some anxiousness about my ability to impact or have an influence just because Mm -hmm. just never got a sense from him, whether or not any of this mattered. And we go through a graduation process as our last spending time with the young people after having done discover you programs. And so we were in our graduation and everyone was just kind of chatting and he came up to me and he said, it might not have seemed like I cared, but I'm really glad you were here. And the Aww. things that we talked about really mattered to me. Oh, I know. And it's those moments that are like the huge wins for me. I didn't start out thinking that I was going to be working with young people. I shifted careers probably about seven, eight years ago. I had been doing a career and knew I didn't want to be doing it for the rest of my life. And I shifted towards coaching. My training is as a life coach by trade. And I had had the opportunity to be coached by someone going through training. And it was a transformational experience for me. And as I knew I was shifting careers, I started to think about what do I want to be doing in life? What do I want my impact to be? And creating the space and the opportunity for people to explore their purpose, what fulfills them, how they want to be their best selves was really appealing to me because of the experience that I had had. So I went through my coach training 
And then of course my community, we're at a networking event um, with our chamber of commerce because now I have to build a business, right? Which is pretty much my nightmare. Like I am not, <laughs> I I am not a self-promoter. <laughs> like I am not an extrovert. So like now all of a sudden I have to like build this business and I'm at a networking event, which is again, my nightmare. And I was making my escape to the hallway and I came across my colleague and the president and CEO of Discover You, Beverly Wenzel. Mm. And I took that deep breath and I like introduced myself <laughs> <laughs> and told her what I did. I did my, you know, elevator speech. And she said, I think we need to talk more. Oh. And I was like, okay. Right. Cause like I needed, I needed to build my business. And we met the following week. And she talked about what Discover You does and the impact that it has on young people. And she gave me the opportunity to go into those classrooms and be that person to make that difference mm. um, for that one, one individual in the back of the room that it matters to. My goodness. And Beverly is just such an extraordinary woman. Uh, I know when we met her, I couldn't stop but have such strong feelings in my heart, really, and tears of happiness, not sadness, in her purpose and the reason why she developed Discover You, you know, to really help us to have as many extraordinary youth across the world as much as we can so that they can understand their strengths but also what they can do for others too to elevate their strengths. What a beautiful transition into what you're doing now. That's, that's amazing. And what wonderful insight from from Bev, because not only are your uh, students so blessed to have you, but we as coaches and trainers with the program um, have felt so honoured to to take that training journey with you. And we see that light in you too. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're very grateful. And really marrying your values with Discover You's um, values as well in the mission statement, you know, that was a true alignment. So well done for having the courage to go and do that elevator pitch with Bev. Even though, you know, you might have been panicking as you sort of showed, oh, I'm going to go and do it. I'm just going to have that courage and go. Real bravery. Well done. When I think about those moments, and, and I have a variety of them, of when I didn't think I was like, I don't say good enough. That's always the story I tell myself is I'm not good enough. And it's when someone else believes in you, Mm -hmm. like I have several stories that I thought about as we were approaching this recording. And I was like, it's when someone else sees something in you that maybe you don't see um, that sparks that potential. And I, I tell that story all the time. I I've been coaching with discover you for, you know, probably good five to seven years. And in the past year, I had the opportunity to come on full time to really start to bring the potential of our programs. Like you said, across the world, mm-hmm. it's really intriguing when we go through the training, um, you know, we train adults to work with youth and we train them to talk to youth in a meaningful way, kind of more of that coaching feel. I, I have mm-hmm. such joy bringing that coaching environment into our training for adults, but helping adults understand how that coaching presence really impacts youth in a meaningful way. But man, the adults learn a lot just to do the training and have Absolutely. the opportunity to grow and develop in themselves. And I, I think that's, what's going to make a difference for youth. Like we, mm-hmm. we have to figure it out a little bit ourselves in order mm-hmm. to help others do the same. Sarah, I've got little tears in my eyes. Because <laughs> because when you said when someone sees uh, something in you, it, it's the difference, isn't it? And we've heard that uh, in a previous conversation we've had as well, that when someone sees the potential in you, it changes the, the way you see life, the way you see your possibilities, the impact that has on someone can, can be life-changing that's that mattering isn't it so when you feel that you valued but you also have value to offer is Mm -hmm. so so important you know pivotal moment uh, I talk about going into college my post-secondary experience and 
you know, if you, you look at my background and my experiences, I technically don't really have the qualifications to do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I don't yes, have, a, do. a, a, I know <laughs> my life experience, man, if we could all just spend a lot of time talking about that, <laughs> I don't have a lot of letters behind my name. Um, and I, there were things that I learned in my post-secondary education that I'm certainly applying now. And certainly then my, my coaching certification yet it was a pivotal moment in my college career when uh, a resident advisor in my uh, dorm hallway suggested that I join a leadership program on campus. And I remember um, sitting for that interview because we had to apply and interview and I was sitting out in the entryway and the administrative assistant for the director of the program sat out there and just had a nice conversation with me. Mm-hmm. and helped me be at ease. And I was, I mean, I didn't even know why I was sitting there. I was like, the only reason I'm sitting here is because this person said I should apply and holy cow, they accepted my application. And that leadership program for, it was two years is what I remember most about my college experience. And it was because there was a mentoring program attached to it. There was um, service learning. Um, so at the end of our program, we, we did a service project And then there was ongoing development throughout those two years to really develop into a young adult, you know, an individual contributing to Mm -hmm. their community, um, developing those leadership skills. And that was years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think now about what we're doing with Discover You with ages all the way from the adolescent years into the teen years and into those young adult years, that's what we're doing now. And so it's almost like this coming full circle of this gift that I had that opportunity and now using that experience, creating that for others. Mm. And really understanding the value of it. It's almost like you had an imposter thought then when that beautiful staff member came to see you and sit with you and talk with you in that hallway, which I don't, you know, I imagine youth and even adults, I could imagine myself now going for an interview and sitting in their hall going, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? I'm not worthy of this. What if they find out I can't do that? Oh my goodness, that whole imposter advisor or inner critic um, almost barking at us, why are you here? But that one person could actually change that trajectory moving forward. That's just beautiful. What a lovely person. Sarah, throughout season one, we have been talking about how imposter thoughts can either hinder or or help how we show up. We were wondering if you could share a story that you've experienced where, you know, those imposter thoughts have shown up and and what's something that you learned about yourself at the time? Yeah. It's interesting. I can tell you when they've hindered. And I feel like now that I am aware of them and I'm really grounded in in my identity and who I am, now they help me. Mm. So my favorite story about hindering (laughs) is actually being a mom. I have a 17 year old son who's pretty much the center of my universe. And struggled to be able to have him. We went through quite a few struggles. And so upon arrival, I was just like, I was just going to be the most perfect mom ever. One of the the books I was going to share with you all at the end was the gift of imperfection from Brene Brown. I, mm. I used to joke, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And now I just have <laughs> really even struck that language from my identity and um, just embrace that. Yeah. There were things I wanted to do really well. And maybe I focused too hard on them because I didn't feel good enough in those moments. Mm. And one of them was being a, a mom in the early years. And um, oh my gosh, I tell my son the story all the time when he was <laughs> like a newborn infant. Okay. So he was born in the month of January, which here in the United States is probably one of our colder months. And I knew you were supposed to swaddle your baby. <laughs> so I had him dressed in a onesie and then a nightgown and then a fleece zip up and then two flannel blankets swaddled and then the little cap that went on his head and then a knitted blanket that someone had given us at the baby shower. And he was like, the poor kid couldn't move. So he's in the bassinet sleeping next to us all night long. And he would like grunt and groan. And I thought like, he needed to be swaddled more to settle him down. (laughs) 
there was one night he grunted and groaned so much he finally got his poor little arm like pulled out and it was like next to his head and of course it was freezing because it was bare now and all I could think of is like I'm not doing this right I need to do more of this (laughs) I was probably just like swaddling my poor little poor little infant to death almost (laughs) and it was all because I wanted to get it so right. So right. And I didn't have, um, the vulnerability or maybe even the courage to ask for help. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have, um, moms in my life at that time to kind of like nurture and guide me along. Right. We talked earlier about like that one person, right? Like I didn't have that one person for that season of my life. Mm -hmm. And even my father-in-law would give me a hard time because I read every book. When I was (laughs) pregnant, I read every book and I read right the week that I was supposed to be pregnant. And oh my gosh, it was unreal. And he finally said to me, you can't do this right by reading a book. Mm -hmm. And as the years progressed and I took a breath and realized my need to be so perfect and get it right to feel like I was good enough was impacting my now toddler, three, four-year-old. And I started to do a lot of personal work because I realized I was kind of starting to project on him. Um, And so that was clearly a huge hindrance for me. And now that I feel like I've done that personal work, I've really taken a look at where does that message of not good enough come from? I've gotten really secure in my value and my identity. Now I can openly tell you the story or I, I can walk into an environment where I am knowing that I'm nervous and take that deep breath and be like, I'm meant to be here. I, I am qualified. I'm capable. And, and, recognize it. I think naming it and claiming it. I know that's a really like trite phrase that people use, but like to name that moment when I'm feeling that sense of not being good enough and claim it as not true and replace it with what I know to be true has been so significant for me. Oh, and that is something, Sarah, that, that is, that is so very powerful and something that we are learning from the people that we're speaking to, but also within ourselves. Um, It's such, um, it is so empowering to understand that and not, and not go with it. um, Because I think often the, the power of that, that self doubt or, you know, those imposter thoughts are fed by you know, just continually thinking that and believing it. But when Mm -hmm. we start to see and understand that thoughts aren't facts, we can sort of Mm -hmm. inquire into that and be aware of that and change our experience is so very powerful in, in just changing how we see ourselves. And discovering who we are and the, the potential that we have, which is, you know, linking that back to discover you is that that's what we want for our youth. You know, those really strong inner critic um, voices or tones can really derail us or they can actually be used as a learning tool and then to experiment and move forward and learn more about ourselves and then feel that much more of that that relief, that self-awareness about, okay, do I need to ask for help? Is there, a, is there a situation where I need to? Or am I okay here and stepping forward and learning a little bit more and playing around with an idea, testing it out and so forth? Such a valuable um, thing. Absolutely. So please, and you know what, Sarah, it's interesting, the, the guests that we have spoken to, many people have raised that the imposter syndrome has come up for them when they've had their first child. Mm-hmm. So it's a, quite an interesting um, fact. I think one thing that like keyed for me was just being really present. Mm-hmm. Right? And I know that's like how I started to just even shift my parenting and my relationship with my son, but that really like started to translate into every aspect of my life. Um, and it was different than mindfulness. It was just really being tuned into what am I feeling in this moment? What do I want to be in this moment? What do I want this to be? There's no other way to say it. And it moved past that sense of trying to earn someone else's approval, including my own or the approval of my inner critic and just be present. Yeah. 
and giving you the time and space to think what is right, what is going to serve you better than, like we say, helping and hindering that choice be a hinder or maybe it'd be helpful and much more positive. You talk about vulnerability and, you know, it is tough to be vulnerable, isn't it? To be vulnerable when you've got those voices in your head saying, if I say I'm struggling or I don't feel like I'm getting this right, what's that going to look like? And that is not uncommon. Um, and for the life of me, I can't think of the author of the book, but the book is Own Your Greatness and, and they've done some research into imposter syndrome. I'll share it in the show notes. They talk about that we'll hold back from asking important questions for fear of how we might be perceived. But we know as people who, who see others, we, we know we want them to ask those questions. And that's the funny thing, isn't it? Mm. We want you, you know, I want you to ask those questions. I want you to, you know, be the best you can be. But I also know within me, I have those voices in my mind that, that say, oh, if you ask that question, does that take my power away or, or mm. am I perceived in a certain way? So we all experience it is the point I'm making and we all are challenged by it. So funny when I get into uh, professional environments, right? Like you even sharing about a book, right? I would get into professional environments and people would be like, say, oh, have you read so-and-so? And I'd be like, yeah, but remind me again, what is it that you wanted to share with me about that person? Like I would lie, quite frankly, I didn't read whatever they had asked me if I had read, but I didn't want to look like I hadn't, or I wasn't <laughs> experienced or wasn't knowledgeable. Um, so mm. that weird sense of like trying to like measure up mm. or um, that instant sense of like inadequacy, because you've now cited three books that I have never even heard of. And now for some reason, I'm supposed to have read them and I haven't. <laughs> and all that like, all that just so Sarah, quickly, Sarah, it does. It like quickly triggers that sense of like, <gasps> like what's wrong with me? Like what's mm. wrong with me? haven't like, I haven't done that. Or I mm -hmm. honestly, like coming on as a guest, I was looking at your past guests and listening to the conversations. And I'm like, I don't have a PhD. I don't have a master's, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you're an amazing legend who knows a lot of things and has a lot oh, to share. Thank you. But like, that's, that's how I think it happens in people. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that who am I? And, um, oh, I'm not going to be able to quote it, but there's that quote about like, um, you know, we don't, we don't make a difference in the world by shrinking from being mm. ourselves, right? Like, so when you think about like, well, who am I? It's more of that sense of like, who are you to not live mm. your, live your potential? I'm not getting it right. I'll look it up. I'll send it to you. <laughs> it sounds pretty good to us. An important message. It is such an important message. And I think that's probably what brings me back to a the importance of the Discover You program and the work that you're doing in America particularly. I just am in awe of the impact that it has on youth and being trained and going through that process as a trainer as well has really made me feel quite privileged that we have such an opportunity for our youth, for our young children as well, but for all people to be their better selves and to find the skills and strategies to, to manage when you have those thoughts, you know, when those triggers are there and finding different ways of dealing with it rather than fixing something, having a look at, okay, well, how can we test that out, play with these ideas? What works for me might be great, but for someone else it might be very different. And when we talk about the inner critic, you know, all those voices telling us that we can't do things, I know that Discover You has some approaches that can actually flip those conversations and help people to have much more empowered generations of living their best lives. And I wonder, are you able to just to share a couple of those with us about how we can shift those mindsets into something that's better? Yeah. So we always start out with a strength-based approach. Um, you know, mm -hmm. We love being able to look at um, what strengths we have and strengths are really different than skills and abilities and talents. They're in eight character traits that we all have. Um, so one of mine is gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. And so being able to, like I was talking about being so present in the moment as I was raising my son, I think gratitude really helped me in those moments of just being able to appreciate those simple moments. Mm -hmm. and um, the joy that I experienced with him. 
And taking a strength-based approach with young people is really incredible. We just, I just started another cohort of trainers this week. And so we just introduced the VIA character strengths. And when you see adults realize that they have innate strengths inside of them, and then they recognize that they can help the young people in their span of care, see that too. It's almost like we've given them like the answer or like a gift or like, oh, now I know what to do to help these young people that are Mm -hmm. struggling to feel good about themselves because I can point out to them specific things that point to strengths that they have. So always starting with with a strength-based approach, which I think is different than being positive, right? So a strength-based approach is positive, yes. but it's different than like, oh, you'll figure it out. It'll be okay. It's more about pointing out to anyone, but particularly young people, like it will be okay because you have perseverance. It will be okay because you're brave and you can ask for help, right? It's mm-hmm. almost instead of just silver lining it, like Brene Brown says, we're, we're giving them um, a tool and a resource that they can pull from themselves. It's already inside of them. Mm-hmm. It's just helping to identify it that I think is so key. So first and foremost, starting, starting with that strength-based approach, helping young people see the strengths that they have and how to use them. Absolutely. And it's such a switch, isn't it? That switches on when they start to, to be aware of it and go, oh my goodness, I didn't know. And the more you see, actually, the more you see again, because then you yes. go, I'm also have a strength of curiosity. So perhaps in this situation, I just need to build onto my curiosity to get further in whatever it might be. And one of the, the, I guess activities are almost like a worksheet that we really encourage young people to work through to help flip that switch is a limiting belief workshop. So if we look at an activating event, okay. So, you know, for me, it might have been me swaddling my child, right? So (laughs) there's that activating event. And if my belief is that I'm not a good mom, then the consequences, I'm just going to swaddle him more and more. And I, I'm never going to learn. And I'm, I'm going to continue to obsess about that and feel like I need to be perfect. But if the activating event is the same, and then my belief starts to be like, well, something doesn't feel right here. And I get curious, which is a strength. I get curious about maybe a different way to do it, or I get brave and I ask for help, or I have a love of learning and Maybe I learn with my infant what works well for him, as opposed to trying to learn from the 25 books I've read. So if if I utilize those strengths that I have and change my belief about it, the consequence will be different. The outcome will be different. Um, So that's actually a very specific tool that we um, help young people walk through to be like, okay, this happened, whatever the thing is. It's, it's truth. It's fact. It's an event. It happened. How can we shape our belief system about that event? Absolutely. And how will those outcomes then be different? We can put that in the show notes actually for our um, guests. It is a really, really clever um, process to go through. And one that I know Leanne and I have drawn on a lot in our own experiment um, together where we really question what are we thinking? What are we believing? How are we going to change that? What, what are we going to use? What tools are we going to use? What strategies and so forth? What skills? What do we need? What strengths do we bring to it? So, so much in there. Understanding oh, our, our strengths is powerful. I, I oh, know yeah. when I first learned my strengths, changed my life, changed mm. how I show up, helped me understand myself, but also understand others better. I think that's what I love about what we do so yes. much. Um, because I, if (laughs) that's exactly like I had, I had a fine childhood yet, right? Like that story of I'm not good enough came from somewhere. Mm. Um, and I don't want other young people to have that story or act on that story. Like I made a lot of poor choices growing up based on my belief that I wasn't good enough and I had to prove myself and I had to be perfect. And, um, you know, 
getting validation from others in really unfortunate ways. And I don't want that for anyone else. Like mm-hmm. I want them to, to feel like I feel now, right? Like yeah. I think about how I feel now having done that work. And if I, like you said, Leanne, if, if I could have felt like that at 14, how would that have been so different for me? Yeah. If mm-hmm. I had those skills, right? I think that's one of the things I love about Discover You is it's not exclusively just talking about the ideas. It's taking those ideas and put it into actionable tools and skills yeah. that young people can start to practice so that they can get rid of that inner credit before 14, right? <laughs> before mm-hmm. 32. And it's unique to them on how they take that action too. So they get all the skills and the knowledge behind it, but they go through the process. And I think that's the doing part is so important in that coaching way as well. It just really elevates that motivation and confidence, I guess. Oh, absolutely. I love it all. But one of the other things I love about what we do is that we do create that coaching environment for those Mm -hmm. young people, right? It's essentially just group coaching. And we do have programs that are intended to be a one-to-one environment as well, but it's primarily in group, right? They're going to learn with their peers and having that supportive adult create that environment where they feel comfortable to ask questions, explore, offer their viewpoint, share an opinion. Every time I am in a group of students where we're doing work around discover you, I walk out learning something. And I, I'm supposed to be there teaching them something. Right. And so it's not about me coming in and being like that sage on the stage and like delivering it to them. It's coming in and creating an environment of with, Mm. and I walk out fulfilled. They're learning new tools. They've taught me something. I hope I've inspired them to be the amazing people that they are. And it's really about, I don't know. I'm just going to go back to, I just wish, I wish that was how I felt when I was their age. Mm -hmm. I think that all the time, because that's what I wish for them. Yeah. The other thing that you've just said that just is so important to point out is, you know, doing it with rather than to, there's so much we're getting out of that, not only as participants, but as well as coaches, as facilitators, like, like you mentioned, there's, you always walking out having learned something what a gift and probably truly understood something as well I think um you know I can reflect even on the younger learners that when you're doing it with them they their curiosity switches on so their understanding is greater because they go oh so they can apply it they can understand it and take action with it we are thrilled that discover you integrates mental health and, and well-being into, into every uh, thread of its learning approach. And we're really keen to hear how you are using coaching as a way to shine the light on people's strengths so that they're able to navigate life in a more positive way. Yeah. Well, I think it's a lot of what we've been talking about to this moment, but to really put some clarity around it, when we we think about coaching, we have a multi-tiered system of support for mental health within our school systems. And tier one is about for all, all learners, all individuals, anyone. And then if someone is having more of a struggle, more of a problem that they need some additional intervention, then they increase up the tiers. So when we talk about it from a mental health standpoint, all of us can benefit from learning about our strengths learning about tools to help us um, critically think, learning about mindfulness and gratitude and honesty and integrity and leadership. We all can benefit from that. And coaching in the classroom, creating that presence where others are exploring themselves and exploring um, perspectives of others, their own perspective and perspective of others, is really helping them to develop the mental capacity to move in a positive direction. Okay, so when I think about coaching versus counseling, for example, if we think about where we're at the state that we're at, if I wanna be able to move in a forward direction, coaching is gonna help me with that. If I have some struggles in my past that I still need to reconcile, that's where counseling is going to come in. 
right? And so from a mental health standpoint, we could all benefit from what's happening right now and how do I want to positively affect that and move in a forward direction? Yeah. And the workshops, the skills, the tools, the concepts of discover you give the, the meat, the content, the curriculum of how to move forward in that positive direction, mm-hmm. how we as adults show up in that classroom for a student in that coaching environment is what creates their opportunity to explore their own perspective, hear the perspective of others, integrate the skills and the tools and move in that positive direction. Mm-hmm. It is so crucial that adults, oh, I'm just, I feel like I'm about to be really opinionated, um, <laughs> that we look at young people um, in that sense of with, again, not that hierarchy of I'm adult, you're a child, I'm a teacher, you're a student, mm-hmm. that we come into that presence of I'm creating this environment. I'm bringing some ideas and some tools and resources. Let's talk about it and value them, value them for their contribution. Yeah. It's, it's so different. It's so, and it's so much fun. It's so much fun to just be in that moment and flow with where they're learning and growing and go with them. Mm. And it really does highlight when you have that beautiful safe space for them and you're holding that space is that you have the ability to see those people for who they are and who they're becoming. That's what I noticed to begin with. Sometimes I'll have a great big, you know, Teflon coat on to protect themselves because they're so used to being told what to do. But then all of a sudden when you use that coaching approach, that Teflon coat gets removed slowly by slowly to where you get to see, and that's where all those beautiful happy tears come from, is that you see the unique person and their values and their strengths about who they are and who they actually want to become. That's the, I think the gift that I see in the coaching too. Yeah. People just want to be heard. <laughs> like yeah. People want to be heard. People want to feel like they belong. People want to feel like they're valued. Mm. Coaching creates that. Uh, yeah. It's about those relationships. Mm. I always um, think of something in our training with you, Sarah, how you created this vision for us immediately and you would say things to us, the beautiful tool of imagine a world where. And I often think of that in, I've used it with my young students as well, imagine a world where you are being at your best self and just, you know, and you can see that the students, their whole body changes because they're giving that permission or they've, they've got that permission to actually go, you know what, I want to be that. So then what are my pathways forward? And um, that's what I find, you know, the whole value of the Discover You program, its approach and also its science behind it with the positive psychology, the developmental assets, the growth mindsets, everything in it really amplifies, you know, where we're heading. That's just such a great tool. Well, I know we're getting towards the end of our conversation, Sarah, but based on our conversation today, is there a, an app or a book or a TED talk or something that you would you would recommend to our listeners um, to go and research a little bit further based on what we were talking about? So um, I, especially in my early years of um, my own growth and transformation, um, really delved into Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I told you, I struck from my title, a recovering perfectionist, uh, and part of how I was able to strike that from my title was her book gift of imperfection. Yeah. And man, that was a tough one for me. Right. Cause like my perfectionism really served me well, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, you talk about that tough one coat, right? Like it was hard for me to let go of, um, wanting to be perfect mm-hmm. um, because that, that might mean that, well, what if, like, what if I'm not good enough? Right. And still to this day on my mirror, I have um, written, I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, continuing to reprogram, um, the way I see things and the way I see myself, um, is still important to me. Um, and it's a lifelong thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. 
you know, one minute in the day, you'll just get that creep of that, that sneaky little voice that will pop back in just to just to check in. Are you still okay with that? But I'm not sure that you are good enough. And you have to go, well, what do you mean? Well, I need to go back and pop that one back where it needs to be for now. Absolutely. I changed the tape. That's what I say. Like we, we remember cassette tapes, right? So like, I actually yeah. feel like I push eject on the old tape player and you hear that chink sound and you pull the tape out and you put a new one in and you close the door and you push it. Mm, I like that. Um, so that one I love. Yes. of imperfection from Renee Brown. And then, um, I have a friend here in the States who has a podcast called the confident podcast. Yeah. And, uh, she has stories much like we've been sharing today and, and stories that have been shared on your episodes around, um, you know, how do we love ourselves? Um, you know, how do we build our confidence mm-hmm. and the confident podcast is one that I always listen to when I just need that spark of like, I'm not alone. Um, I I'm not walking this path of struggle on some days by myself. And then those tips and, and tidbits um, to continue to inspire. And then from a, a professional development standpoint, the Search Institute, you mentioned developmental assets yeah. earlier. Um, Search Institute has a new podcast out called Rooted in Relationships. Mm. Yeah. And they really talk about how valuable um, meaningful relationships, or they call them developmental relationships are mm. in the lives of young people and how then to be that type of relationship. Um, so I've been enjoying that one too. Yeah, I didn't know they had one, so I can't wait to go and um, look that up today. <laughs> yeah. A good one. I um, have a love of learning is one of my strengths. So as soon as I hear, like you said it before about if someone recommends a book, I go, Oh, I haven't got that one. <laughs> Must go and get that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much there. Um, Sarah, if people want to connect with you and find out more about the wonderful work that you're doing, uh, how can they find you? Yeah, so they're welcome to reach out directly. Uh, You can find me at sarah at discoveryou.org. And then Discover You, our socials, you'll find us at Discover You Programs. Um, So we're out on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, We have our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, so it's at discover you programs is our handle for all of our socials. Thank you so much. And if people are in Australia are interested uh, in the discover you program, there's a collaboration with discover you and the McQuaid group here in Australia, where they can find out more about the facilitators that we have here in Australia. We'll make sure we put all those things into um, our show notes too, especially with the search Institute um, I know a lot of Australians often will go, well, what's that? But really, really will switch a, a light on. Wish I had have known that a long time ago too. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, one last beautiful question for you. We've been asking our guests to talk a little bit about maybe a self-care strategy that they use. Do you have a self-care strategy that you would recommend to our listeners today? Um, for me, this is very personal and it's personal to me. I know a game changer for me when I am in those low moments is for one, getting outside and in nature. Um, But then I have uh, a really strong spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so walking in that spirit and walking in that faith and connecting with God and um, being out in nature is just crucial for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And even when those messages um, creep into my mind, how I change that cassette is through that spiritual practice. Um, And that's been so significant for me Um, and especially connecting to nature and um, all throughout my office, there's pictures of water and um, you know, fall colors. We have beautiful fall colors here in Michigan in the United States as the leaves change. And um, I'm just really rooted in that nature aspect. With you on that one, that's for sure. Beautiful makes you place. feel like you're just one tiny little speck in such a magnificent world so when you have these problems that you think are so big you go mm, maybe they're not but it regrounds you like you said before yeah it just really helps me even that with that sense of like who I am and my identity and um yeah it really ties into to my strengths of like that gratitude and appreciation of beauty and excellence yeah. of just like yeah being very present in that moment 
Oh, thank you so much, um, Sarah. It's been such a privilege and such a joy to see you again. Um, and we really, really um, thank you for your time and um, beautiful knowledge with us today. Thank you for inviting me. It was really a joy. I love interacting with you all and the work that we're doing and how brave of us all to openly say, you know what? Sometimes I feel like an imposter and here's what we're going to do to start flipping that switch. So thank you for creating that space Mm. for all of us to share our stories and for all of those stories to go out to your listeners. Thank you Mm. so much. I really do love Sarah. I think she's one of the most kindest humans, you know, in the world that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but why I think that is that she has such a, an open heart and I think an authentic heart mm-hmm. that really wants the best in people and is yes. especially in youth. And I can, you can hear every time she speaks, she's so genuine in her purpose, which drives her to do the work that she does. And we heard it all through the conversation. And as participants um, of the Discover You program, you know, becoming coaches um, Mm. and and her leading us through that journey was so, so evident then too. You know, interestingly that you say that is that I felt um, going through that course with her and just the way she facilitated and trained us as a coach, I feel like I've become a better teacher under her guidance Mm. Um, and it did resonate with me a lot, the coaching approach, a coach as it is. So I was always using that approach, but I felt like my eyes were opened in a different way to see differently um, through the Discover You in how you really almost walk along, like you said, with our learners. I would be forever grateful for what she um, shared with us. I really love when she was talking about how she has become more self-aware in the things that inner critic or that inner um, voice when it comes up, how it can either hinder, but also she now knows that it's more helpful now because she's learned a little bit more about that, that inner voice and how it can either sabotage or it can be that learning opportunity. And I think the her expressing that it was the awareness of that mm. has helped her to do that. What a great tool to overcome. Oh, um, absolutely. And I think when, like, when we are awake to it and as we are noticing in, in the conversations that we're having, yeah. you know, that whole, you know, so far all of the conversations have touched on, a, I guess, a mindful perspective yeah. and being aware of our inner critic. And I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I, I don't want to call it imposter syndrome or imposter no. phenomenon. I want to change the name. And I and I don't know, and if our listeners know what we should call it, you know, we're all ears. But I think we need to think about it in a more positive way mm. in how um, that awareness of it can help us be better. Oh, absolutely. And we know, you know, the science tells us this from from. <laughs> millions of years ago our brain has such a negative bias it wants to give us the you know the yes. negative side um but when you are mindful about it and you have become self-aware you can then regulate your body into whatever the decision is but i think the next part is that action once you're aware of it mm-hmm. and you know the perspectives of it and you then start to look at you know what is actually going to be helpful and what isn't and where, where i might go well, what is the action I'm going to take? So you can have some pathways, which, you know, you might bring up that hope theory um, of, you know, different pathways and you've got, this is where you want to go, but how do you do it? But then yes. the next step is that commitment to taking the action. Yes. Too many times we think about it and it's in our thinking brain, but we don't go to that next part where we play around. And as other people talk about, like Joseph um, Chiroki, he talks about, that discover and that playing around with it, that doing part. The doing is so, so important. Yeah, and you know, talking about theories, I, I think about psychological capital. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. and, and you know, that underpinned a lot of the work that I did with my masters. Hope is a very big part of psychological capital. Yeah. Having efficacy, building that confidence that plays a big part with with you know working with those imposter or, or that inner critic building resilience you know things like discover you where we where, you know where we are learning the the, the tools for resilience and then yeah. that optimism being optimistic about our future and how we can approach things and 
challenging those limiting beliefs and you know I know that there's a few discover you a few um, learning experiences and coaching um, suggestions of how to really think about those limiting beliefs and what do we do with them yes um, and I know you know we've had a lot of feedback in our um, podcast about people saying you know that's so me you know you know yes, I should have done yes. this a long time ago which is you know we're <laughs> welcome to our common humanity we are all the same but once we are aware of it and we do have some tools and strategies, it just makes it a little bit easier to have a go and play with these ideas. Really discover what works for you and what doesn't and then keep playing because, you know, we know it comes and creeps back, but we have got things that we can do and we can change and we can take action. Thank you for listening to the Imperfect Us podcast. As always, we are extremely grateful for our executive producer, Brenton Ainsworth, for helping us to put this episode together and the incredible music throughout the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you care about. And we would be grateful if you could rate this podcast on iTunes. If you know someone who has a great story to share about how to live with imposter thoughts, then please get in touch with us. To find out more about Leanne and Lisa, we welcome you to connect with us on LinkedIn and our socials. Bye for now. Bye for now.